You are listening to Making It in the Toy Industry, episode number 157. Welcome to Making It in the Toy Industry, a podcast for inventors and entrepreneurs like you. And now your host, Ajel Wade. Hey there, toy people, Ajel Wade here, and welcome back to another episode of the Toy Coach Podcast, Making It in the Toy Industry. This is a weekly podcast brought to you by thetoycoach.com. Today's podcast episode is part three of the three-part series to complete this year of podcasting. Every episode in this season highlighted interviews that I conducted at a recent toy industry event, ShyTag, which is the Chicago Toy and Game Fair that's held in Q4 every year. If you haven't heard part one or part two, go back and listen to those. It's at thetoycoach.com forward slash 155 and thetoycoach.com forward slash 156. This series features the interviews that I held in person at ShyTag with 10 creators of toys, games, and even books. We did record full video for all of these interviews, and those videos are now available on YouTube. So head over to youtube.com slash the toy coach to check them out. For today's episode, I am excited to share with you three new interviews. First up, the founder of Tragos, Carolina Acosta, who created the games company that works to remove the stigma of not being Latino enough through cards that almost any Latino can identify with, regardless of how much Spanish they speak or where they were born. After that, we'll go right into an interview with the creator of Fungasaurs, which is a true augmented reality collectible toy and IP that you can care for like a Tamagotchi. And finally, we'll wrap up today's episode with Mary Kay Morrison, the author of the grandparent guidebook, Legacy of Laughter. Now, in today's podcast episode, you're going to learn what is essential for success when launching a niche card game. You're going to hear about how much money you'll need to raise to launch that children's toy line and animated TV show idea you've been holding on to. And you'll learn about a new must-have book for grandparents out there. Keep in mind, these interviews were conducted in person at a toy trade show, so the background might be a bit noisy, but I stress the importance of in-person shows, and you will hear why in these interviews. So without further ado, let's dive into the interviews held by me, the toy coach at ShyTag, the Chicago Toy and Game Fair put on by People of Play and Mary Cousin. Hey there, toy people. I'm here with Carolina Acosta, the founder and CEO of Tragos Games, the party games that celebrate Latin culture. Carolina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to have you here. Really excited. We actually just bought this game. Christian and I just bought Get Loud. So excited to talk about that. Excited to dive into Tragos. But I want to know how all of this began. Well... <laughs> How did this start? Oh, man. Okay, so we had to rewind to 2019, and it kind of starts with my own experience with my own culture. I grew up in the U.S., and my parents are both immigrants, so I'm first generation. I'm half Colombian, half Dominican, but I never really kind of identified as Latina my whole life. Just really? Because, yeah, just, you know, I was always called La Gringa, the family, which means, like, the little white one, and... 
I, I think it was kind of, you know, part of assimilation, you know, going to school and having to learn Spanish, English at an early age, and then kind of forgetting, you know, your culture when you're surrounded by all these other cultures, especially yeah. in New York. And so as an adult, I went to South America for the first time. I actually loved it so much. I ended up living there for a few months. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it was the first time I could connect with my culture, with the people, the food, like everything, the language. And I came back just like pretty much transformed. Like, okay, I feel like I can identify as this because I, I, I can relate a lot more than I thought I could. Right. And coming back to the U.S., I felt... Like something was missing in my life. I didn't have that culture surrounding me like I did living in South America. And so a friend called me one day. I remember like it was yesterday. And he's like, what do you think of creating like a party game and and like making it cultural? And he was talking about his his culture. He's Asian American. And we really bonded over being just like ethnic. (laughs) And I was like, I love that. I'm going to do it for me. And he's like, "Okay, I meant for me. But okay, we'll do it together. (laughs) So we both launched our games at the same time. I came out with Tragos. So it is a drinking game, but we recommend, you know, playing it with any beverage. They play with coffee. People sometimes play, you know, with wine, like depending on your age, of course. And all the cards are just, you know, irrelevant to things that people understand, either growing up Latino or... If you have Latino friends, there's a lot of overlap of other ethnic cultures. And it's just like a fun time and something that we knew that wasn't really out there. First of all, what does tragos mean? Tragos translates to drinks or cocktails in Spanish. Yes. And like, I'm going very literal. (laughs) So what is so special about the cards in this game? Like, tell me, give me some examples. Okay. So there's different cards that they all tell you what to do. Yes. Very self-explanatory. You pick up a card on your turn. And every card has instructions. Okay. So this card, for example, is a trivia card. And this is where you ask everyone a question. Where do most Latinos put their pots and pans? The winner picks a player to take a sip. Ooh. Do you know this? Uh-huh. <laughs> it, well, my husband's Colombian, so I'm going to say in the oven. Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, I know nothing else. I'm like, why wouldn't you put your pots and pans in the oven? Every card has something like that. It's like we all can relate to it. So it's funny because it's true. And, you know, we try to fill up the cards with references that all Latinos would understand or all Spanish speakers might understand. So another one's if you grew up listening to Selena, cheers to your favorite song. Take three steps. Is that how you're supposed to pronounce that? Okay. You say Selena too. I guess that's in Spanish, but Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Como La Flor, I guess, would be everybody says that. Yeah, that's yeah, a good that's one. That's, that's, that's a good one. Um, okay, so yeah. you have, this is the original Taragos, and then, oh, oh, it's in Spanish. Yes, the booster pack. That We had two booster packs, yeah. Okay, so what's just extra cards, because you played cards? so much. Yes. You've done the cards three times. Mm-hmm. Is that the complaint you got from people? They're like, I love this game, but I need more, and then you... Honestly, no. People love playing this, because every time they play, they're usually playing with a different crowd, different relatives, different okay. friends. Yeah. And so they're like, we play all the time. I'm like, you don't get bored. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> But, you know, people always want something new. So we didn't want to, you know, just ride on one product. And I think maybe I got bored. Yeah. That's probably what it was. And, and then I was you like, came out with a booster. Pack. Yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then what is this one? Spicy? That one. That one's the adult one. Oh. So Tragos is more for, I'd say, young adults to older adults. <laughs> so Spicy was actually one that was requested by our consumer base. We did a survey and... Everybody wanted this one. We're it's, like, it's like okay. It's spicy. Is yeah. it in Spanglish? It's a, yeah, the, all the games are in, 
in Spanglish except for the one entirely in Spanish uh-huh. because m- most of our audience is in the U.S. Okay. Cool. So, so tell me about how your consumers actually ask for this. So this was a fun way to find out. We wanted to do a survey. So we have a big email base and we have a big social media following. And so we wanted to create a fun survey and we turned it into like a BuzzFeed type quiz. So we said, what kind of party person are you? And so we created four different personalities. We're like, are you like the cute, fun one? Are you the party animal? Are you the this or that? And we kind of just kind of threw it in like, what kind of game would you want to see next? Oh, like it was like part of the quiz? Part of the quiz, yeah. So smart. It was so fun. That is some clever marketing. It was, yeah. And, you know, we also got to find out, you know, who do you play with? What... What what do you like most of our games? Do you like that it's that you can play with your family? Do you like whatever? We had different questions. And one of them was, which game would you like to see next? And we had four options. This was right. one of them, like yeah. a naughty pack. And yeah. that one won by a landslide. Wow. Yeah, and it was over a thousand answers. Like how submitted. naughty is this naughty pack? Like, would you play it with your parents? No. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to keep going over here. I want to talk a little bit about the growth of Thrombos. How did you get so popular? Yeah, okay, so I, I'd say we came at the perfect time. It was a culmination of many things happening. It was a cultural kind of happening that was going on in social media. I think with millennials and Gen Z now, they're becoming more comfortable with multiple identities and kind of speaking out to basically that. Mo- like, like having multiple, multiple cultures, like being... Yeah, yeah, because I think, you know, when, when growing up, you know, we would have to assimilate and feel like like we were part of the American culture because that's what our parents were trying to do as immigrants. And I think right. now with social media and kind of expanding, even with new gender identities, people feel comfortable saying, yes, I am American, I am... Texan, I am Mexican, and that goes for, you know, the whole country. So I think me, like, my story resonated with so many people on social media right away. That was one thing. Another thing is we all do like party games. I think that's been a rising industry, just games, board games in general. And also social media just made it so easy to reach the masses and find our audience very easily, like the Latino, the U.S. Latinos that we were targeting. When you were marketing your game, were you sharing your story? And how were you sharing your story? You know, I was actually very shy about my story yeah. at first. I think the reason why it resonated with people so much was more the content in the cards. Oh, okay. Like, they were cards that say, you know, if you're Latino but don't speak Spanish, take a sip. And it's not, like, to feel bad about it. The whole point was you're embracing all parts of the culture. Right. And so I think people resonated with a lot of things that I felt were coming personally for me, right. as opposed to the story, which came on later with yeah. PR and, you know, yeah. more opportunities like that. So I'd say our our branding was really big. The first ads we ever did were Photoshop mocks that I made on, like, you know, just like using a little template. I didn't even have the game yet. I just had a Photoshop file that looked like a game. And I, and I like, you know, wrote out the ideas of the cards that we first had. But I only had like maybe 10 cards to start with. Wow. And when we had a pre-order and showed, you know, that people were interested, then we bought our inventory. Wow. Which is why I was able to self-fund it and we didn't need any 
you know, funding before. So you didn't do like an official Kickstarter. You did like your own kind of a pre-order. Like you managed the pre-orders. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All we did was post on Shopify. Only expense we had were Facebook ads on a credit card. Yeah. You know, I was fingers crossed. I was praying. I was like, oh God, I'm not, I did not tell my parents about this. Oh. I would have freaked out. I was doing freelance graphic design at the time too. So yeah. I didn't even have a steady job. I was just like, Okay, God, like, let's see if this works. And did you test this with your friend? There must have been something that gave you confidence that it was going to work. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It it was definitely like a a product we put a lot of love into because it wasn't just me coming up with the cards. I had a spreadsheet. I sent it to my cousin, my family, like anyone who I knew was Hispanic. I was like, do you relate to this? Do you relate to this? Like, does your mom do this? Is it, or is it just me? And yeah. everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, yes, that's so funny. And, again, it was just the content that I, we really, like, loved. And the best part was I have so many friends from different backgrounds yeah. that, you know, I knew all the Colombians would understand, all yeah. the Ecuadorians, all the Mexicans. And yeah. so that's what I loved. It was so diverse. And that's why that's, I guess that's where I got the confidence. Okay. And then this game, what inspired Get Loud? I think my age. We launched what is it? last year. The tagline is La Madre of All Word Games. That okay. translates just to like the mother. The mother, of the all mother yeah. yeah. And I think we were playing Gragos for so long. Sometimes we would get hangovers. No, not going to lie. <laughs> and also, you know, a lot of people we would meet in our, our community. Latino population is huge, you know, yeah. and we felt like we were kind of not really representing the people who don't drink or, <laughs> you know, and also kids, which they're a huge yeah. part of all of our yeah. families. And I, you know, my little cousins, my niece, should, they'd be like, can we play? We're like, no. <laughs> so this is definitely for the kids. So get loud. How do you play? It's a bilingual guessing game. So if you've ever played heads up or even charades it works like that so you have a timer one minute and you have cards with words on them and all the words come in english and spanish right what's on the back of the front i just realized it's like so blue and green are harder words orange and and red are easier for the kids okay yeah so yeah so we can play multiple ways but i usually play it like taboo so when i flip the timer yeah then i just describe it and you have to guess the word correctly. Oh, okay, okay. So this is what I use to wash in the shower or to wash my hands. So? Yeah. So, yeah. So okay, you can, so cool. that would be a point for you. Nice. But then you could also play like, all right, you're practicing your Spanish. How would yeah, you say it in Spanish? I don't. I just saw it. So now oh. I know. It says jabón, right? Okay, yeah. yeah but I, did, I didn't know that. So then I, there, oh, there you would sopa. get that. That's, a, that's soup. I, <laughs> You were I know other words. Try me again. Okay. So it could just be flashcards. It could be flashcards. Right. And that's what a lot of people have been using them for just to kind of practice their Spanish or English at home, especially in bilingual oh, households. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So how would you say to think? I'm thinking. Pensar? Yes. That's yes, a point. Thank you. <laughs> You're doing good. Okay. How would you say almond? No idea. Never use that word, almondo. No. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, almond? No. I saw some of these words don't have a translation, so I was hoping it was one of those. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, some of them are the same word, like chihuahua is the same. Uh, okay. What, how do you um, say almond? Almendra. 
Almendra. I was close. You were close. <laughs> you said Almendro or something. You made up a new name. I did. <laughs> Almendra. Okay, you know this one. What? How do you say cheers? Cheers. Salute. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So use as a game or as flashcards. Yes. I'm glad we bought this one. Yeah. I you'll do. This. You'll do good. So yeah. what are you going to come up with next to teach me conjugations? I that- literally <laughs> was thinking of that were yesterday. Really? Yes. I've met a lot of kids that are learning Spanish in school, yeah. and they're from all backgrounds, and yeah. they're like, "Can I use? Can I play this and make sentences?" I'm like. That would be hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a big space, you know, for like language learning games. Yeah. So I might might dabble in that. Think about that. We'll see. I would use that. I listen to like a Spotify playlist where they tell you all the the conjugations, but I literally am just listening to a person reciting every word in every tense. Yeah. No, you need something more interactive. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to connect it to a core feeling or mm -hmm. core memory that'll help me remember it better. Yeah. I have some ideas, but yeah. still, under wraps. still under wraps. Still under wraps. Yeah. Secret. Okay. Yeah. I want to wrap up. I want to ask you closing questions. But before I do, for anybody out there that has an idea for a game, because okay. that's what you did. Yeah. What advice would you give them taking into consideration that things are different from when you started? We were Absolutely. talking off camera before this about how Facebook ads have changed the game in both of, in both of our businesses. Yeah. She had to completely change how she did Facebook ads. It's changed my business as well. Now that you see the, the way the world is now, the way social media is now, what advice would you give for someone starting today? I mean, today, I would 100% recommend TikTok. It's yeah. the new Google. It's, you know, yeah. where everybody finds how to do anything, like tutorials, like gift ideas, yeah. how to, you know, even starting a business. There's yeah. all these channels that will be like a lawyer saying exactly what you should do. I've seen a lot of things blow up on TikTok. We're still, we kind of got in there a little slow my team like we're all like older millennials yeah and so we're like okay like how do we do this you know people are still trying to figure it out but i think it's such a an important resource to leverage right now more than anything and then i'd say like as far as building it out i mean i learned how to create and manufacture a game just by googling things but there are all these resources that i've learned that i wish i had before there's women in toys and there's all these you know facebook groups i I would i would say don't be scared to reach out to anybody that you know that might have an idea because i i think i try to do a lot by myself and when i did bring on a team it was very fast-paced and i i didn't really think through exactly what my business needed long term right i always thought short term so it may seem a little like hard but i think games are like one of the easiest things you can make i think the hardest part is marketing yeah. and finding the right market fit making sure that you know your game isn't going to be in a saturated space where you might make a game specifically for two to four year olds but the game industry might say oh we already have two to four year old games this year. Yeah. So really like consider that. And, and I guess also be passionate about like why this game, like what is, what is it that's, you know, is it your kids that like absolutely love it? Cause I've seen success stories like that. It's great. It's like the the, passion and the why behind it. Like you had a really clear reason behind this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why we found such great market fit, but I know other people that they're like, I have this game. I've had it for years, but I don't know what to do with them. Like, then maybe it's not its time or yeah. maybe you got to talk to more people. Yeah. So Yeah, it sounds like you did a lot of really great research just in your content creation process. 
you ended up doing like market research for your product. So, right. Because I think yeah. I had a very strong understanding of my specific audience. So yeah. we're very niche. And I think that's where yeah. we definitely excelled in. Congratulations. When you were a kid, what toy blew your mind? Or game? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I was obsessed with Candyland. Obsessed. Why? I love the colors. I don't know. Why? I thought the little like characters were so well designed i mean i looking back obviously i, I wouldn't think as a four-year-old i'm like oh so well designed yeah but <laughs> but i just I, it worked so well i I, yeah. I drove my brother crazy i'm like let's play candy line he's like oh, oh again that's, that's, you remember when you were little like how you used to feel like 100 percent. so crazy yeah oh. wait what was yours i'm curious oh i loved Polly pockets i was obsessed oh yeah i also liked things where i could like build a city so i would set my Polly pockets up in a neighborhood oh, and yeah had, like, little cars i would ride them around their neighborhood i was oh, like I make it that. a whole day i'd be like so they go to school you had a morning. whole set of yeah, everyone it was like it was a neighborhood oh. <laughs> <laughs> did you have the carpet with the roads on it like the carpet with the roads on it oh it was no. like a big rug where no, used to drive the kitchen table okay so I would just like make rows of houses like mom don't touch my city <laughs> yeah it was i had to clean it up before dinner time it Aww. was all so i'd start like really early yeah i'd spend like hours setting it up and then like only like an hour play it's so silly that's but, determination <laughs> yeah i really like building things <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Amazing. I'm excited to take this home and play with it. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for you guys yeah, to okay. play. Thank you. Hey there, toy people. I'm here with Eamon Akhtar, 3D animation artist at Nickelodeon Studios, who created on his own Fungosaurus, cute little toy dinosaurs that come alive in virtual reality. Eamon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank welcome you for be being here. here. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into your brand. You have... I've got to say, one of the coolest setups here, you created a whole jungle in your trade show booth. So I want to talk about why you decided to come to this trade show. But first, let's dive into your toy story. Have you sure. always known you would get into kind of the toy and animation field? That's a great question to start. So I grew up in Pakistan. I was always playing with toys. I, I was that kid that was always dreaming and just off in my own world, obsessed with animation and toys, right? Like. Yeah. He-Man, Thundercats, G.I. Joes, you know, Transformers. I played with all those toys and watched the shows. Yeah. So growing up, I kind of knew I wanted to be a creative and in yeah. that vein. Yeah. And well, when I started getting into my career as in animation, it naturally led me to being a sculptor. And then from there, it led me to, hey, let's make my own thing. So toys. Can, can we talk a little bit about the pro the process of becoming an animator? Because I don't know anything about that. No, that's that. fair. That's a great So, yeah. yeah so what do you, what'd you study? Animation? So I actually studied here in Chicago at the okay. School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Okay. I did a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Art and Tech, focusing on animation. The Art Institute is a lovely school, the School of the Art Institute, for learning everything. So I bounced around from, like, fashion illustration to welding to sculpting and carving with wood yeah. to primarily focusing on working on digital art out of computers. And I prepared a whole demo reel and a website for all the things I could do. So modeling something in 3D in Maya, texturing it and painting it, being able to rig it and animate it, learning the whole process, you know? That's what you should do if you want to get into animation now is figure out, do you want to do 2D? Do you want to do stop motion? Do you want to do 3D? And I really wanted to do 3D. Yeah. So I learned how to be a generalist. And from there... I bounced around various studios and jobs until I got to where I wanted to be. What was like the first job you had in animation? So the first thing I ever got, Chicago is primarily a advertising hub of the U.S. Test all the products in the Midwest, because if it does well in the Midwest, 
it'll do well everywhere. everywhere. So a lot of ad agencies like Leo Burnett, a lot of jobs for like McDonald's, Secret Deodorant. I was working on Harley Davidson projects for a couple of years. So a lot of their art is now 3D because it makes a lot more sense to put the bikes together in 3D and shoot them digitally with like real photography-based lighting backgrounds right. than does to assemble a bike, put it on a truck, get it on location, shoot it in somewhere new, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's one of my first jobs is I started learning through advertising. Yeah. A lot of agency work. And then from there, I made the move from Chicago to L.A. about eight years ago. I left advertising behind and started doing VFX, so working on movies and started working on concept art. And from there, I bounced to tech and games and stop motion animation yeah. and a lot of 3D printing. Yeah. And then from that to Nickelodeon animation where I'm at now. We're going to get to Fungasaurus. Please. I have a few questions yeah, about animation. Keep going, keep going. I love <laughs> animated movies and I, I studied a little tiny bit, like a few classes. Sure. In like SolidWorks mostly, yeah. Rhino, things yeah. like that. So I can I can kind of see how much effort goes into just making one figure and I can't even imagine animating it and rigging it. Yeah. So from what I've researched about it, like animated movies, you might do like a five-minute portion of a movie? Is that how it works? It depends. So yeah. if you're an animator, yeah. your job is to, you know, take assets that have been built and just move them and take a picture, move them, take a picture, move them, take a picture. And that process, yeah. you can maybe get one second of animation in a day. So it's a, it's a very lengthy process. <laughs> I'm on the production art side. Now I'm a creative director, but okay. like I'm on the production side most of my career in which I make the assets. So my primary job is as a sculptor. So I make the characters, sets, and props that then will get used and animated. in part of the pipeline. Yeah. Okay. So there's, in animation, it's a very collaborative medium. It's, it it, you work with the whole team. Yeah. You only do a very small part of the process. So you're either modeling or you're texturing or you're rigging or you're animating. It's great to learn everything to start. Yes. But when you get into a professional pipeline, you're going to be doing just one thing very well. And is the part that you're doing like the most like freedom and creative? It seems like because you get to sculpt, you kind of like get to start from scratch, whereas everybody else has like a baseline to like, okay, I have to like this really well. I have to rig this really well. But you get to be part of like the concept art, like you said. That's actually a great question. So I guess I'm still part of like the early part of the process. Yeah. But before me are all the 2D artists, you know, that I cannot describe enough how vital their role is they're the true creators because they work with the writers and like the directors to create the initial vision so they create the key art the concept art the storyboards and all of that is what i use to to build build off of however my job primarily is to understand what the director's vision is and what the 2d artist's vision is and then translate that appeal, that appealing, beautiful 2D drawing yeah. into an appealing 3D shape. Yeah. And that took a while to train my eye for. Oh, because okay. it's a very complicated process to distill that appeal of something 2D and make it 3D. Yeah. It's okay. It's doable to make something look good from one angle. Yeah. But making it look good right. from every angle is a hard challenge. In toy design, mm-hmm. for me, I've always been in the situation where I sketch it. And I'm involved most of the way until it's on shelf. So I always wondered with animation what it feels like as a person who's a part of it, but you've only been a part of it for the small part. And then you go to like maybe a movie or the premiere and you see it and you're like, when did all that other stuff happen? (laughs) Like I've been spending the last two years doing this. That's really fun, actually. Right. That, the best part of working in animation is the people. Yeah. It's getting to see something that you were a part of come alive. Oh. And so to me, I'm creating these characters. I'm like a real big part of the initial 
props and sets and character creation, yeah. but I don't feel like I breathe life into it. That's really uh, the animators because they actually okay. move it, you know? That's so cool. Yeah. And it's lovely to see something that you helped create having a life of its own. Yeah. That's kind of what I love about making my own brand. It's yes. So where'd you come up with the idea for Fungosaurus? So the idea for Fungosaurus came up out of In-N-Out Burger. What? That's the best place of okay. all the, birthplace of all the ideas in California. <laughs> I went to Yosemite National Park yeah. and on the drive back, like it was really rainy season. So I saw a lot of mushroom and fungi popping up everywhere. And so I picked up a mushroom hunting catalog. And as a sculptor, I was just drawn to the shapes because they're such yeah. beautiful organic shapes. I didn't know anything about mushrooms at the time, except that, oh, I eat them, you know, <laughs> but, or I don't eat them. That's right. all I know. Yeah, yeah. But I was really intrigued by the beautiful organic shapes. And then on the drive back down to LA, we stopped at in Now Burger. They gave us some dinosaur stickers because they had a thing going on, like a promotion or something. And I had the dinosaur stickers in the mushroom hunting catalog sitting in front of me. And I started sketching all these hybrid characters. And I was like, there's a lot here. <laughs> and this deserves to be made into, you know, something that can make an impact. And this is like, it's expandable. It's so expandable because yeah. there's, you know, dinosaurs run for 150 million years. They're evergreen. People love them. Yeah. You know, I grew up, before Pokemon, I memorized thousands of dinosaur names. Really? I was that kid, right? Oh I, had a, I had a dinosaur VHS that, like, I don't remember what it was called, but I was obsessed with it. Right? It was just, like, an educational cartoon about dinosaurs. Yeah, and we're it. fascinated by yeah. that world and, like, these giants lumbering yeah. around the planet. And so dinosaurs are fascinating since Jurassic Park and even before, Land Before Time. There's so much there, right? Yeah. But then I started looking at fungi even closer, and they've been around for three billion years. Oh, really? They turned the rocks on this planet into dirt so that plants could take hold. The first 30-foot-tall structures weren't trees. They were fungi. Shut up. The largest organism right now and the oldest are fungi. Interesting. And there's, okay. they do so much for the environment. Mm -hmm. They filter water. They get rid of toxins. They get rid of, after oil spills, after radiation spills, fungi are the first thing that clean up so other things can grow. Interesting. They do so much bioremediation that I realized this is an amazing opportunity to create an animated show, a series, a whole world showing kids that, hey, climate change is happening. It's real. Yeah. But there's something that can be done about it. And so what if I make magical creatures that do just that based on real world science? Yeah, I love so, that. So yeah. tell me about these magical creatures. Who am I looking at right here? Who's this? So this is one of my favorite characters. It's called a Paradox. It's based on the Amanita muscaria mushroom, the famous Mario mushroom with the red and white dots, you know, uh -huh, uh -huh. and a Parasaurolophus, which is a I've real dinosaur. I've heard of that before. <laughs> okay. And so all of the fungosaurs are specific dinosaurs combined with specific fungi to create beautiful, appealing shapes yeah. and fun characters. This is one of my favorite characters because he's got the perpetual puppy eyes. He's just like, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and... To me, like, all of the fungosaurs are, you know, create, created in, like, a mad science experiment. Okay. They, get, oh, okay. they get out. They spore like mushrooms. They land somewhere ideal. They start growing. They start sprouting legs, and they start walking around. That's cool. And then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. So all of the fungosaurs' toys are like little baby characters. Uh -huh. And the essence of the stories in the animation that I'm building yeah. is these babies need to be, you know, us Humans, kids need to find these creatures and take them to somewhere more ideal where they can then grow and then shape the environment and kind of rewild spaces. Here, you have an iPad here with like an app. Is there an app that does that? So that's actually, thank you for the amazing yeah. segue. <laughs> yeah. Because when I started playing with toys as a yeah. kid, yeah. it was toys and then animation, right? Right. But now more and more, there's games. 
and the games are so interactive, yeah. they're so fun, they're yeah. so appealing that I was like, you know what, if I'm starting a thing, as a sculptor primarily, I'm going to start with toys. Yeah. So four years ago, we did a Kickstarter. We made these eight characters. It's a mystery box set. So you get one of these eight characters in the set. Okay. Paradox is one of my favorites, but there's eight characters in the set. And we made an app to bring them to life and augmented reality. So if you go, it's a free app called Fungusaurus ARIs. This is beautiful. They're all animated characters. You can see them all. I'm going to try to bring it a little closer to the camera, yeah. despite it might be tough to see on the screen. It's you can actually play with them as virtual pets. So you can select each character. You can interact with them here, right? There's also a mode. I want to interact with them. Please, yeah. Huh. Let's see. So there's, you know, you can tap, swipe, hold interactions. You can do an AR play once you select them, walk them around, feed them, do dance parties and things like that. There's also a mode where you can do ARIs. And this is the thing that's most exciting to me because I wanted to do the next oh level gosh, of physical so cool. to digital technology uh -huh. like Skylanders, Amiibo, Disney Infinity. Yeah. I wanted the toys to come alive. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what we figured out in our stardom is object tracking to bring the toys to life. No need for chips or you know, RFID chips or anything tags in the toys. Okay. You can just go to ARIs and an outline of the toy comes up. You select whichever toy you get out of the mystery box. And once you line up the toy, he comes alive. Oh. And you can start interacting with this character now. Tap, swipe, hold interactions. You can feed them different things. This is awesome. Yeah. You can so shower them. <laughs> you can pet them. So we created like a virtual pet game, you know, like a Tamagotchi, but for a new generation in it. which the toys themselves are interactive. Does he have like food levels? Like he's hungry. He's just got a happiness meter. Oh, happiness. And so meter, you can okay. like keep him happy or sad. But because it's all object track, I can yeah. move the toy around and interact with it. And it's all happening live. That's so cool. And so what I dig about this is it opens up a whole new world of toy interactivity that yeah. no one's really doing. And yeah. as an independent startup, I wanted to push the bounds of this. Like how far can we take it? So now we're working on a board game where we figured out cards working with the object tracking of the toys based on proximity. And it's really cutting edge stuff. How much of this development did you do? Like, did you do all of the 3D rendering? I did all the 3D models. 3D I did models. a lot of the textures. I did a lot of the rigging and then I brought on other riggers. I brought on other animators, including yeah. some of the animation, but. And funding, was it all from the Kickstarter? No, we did a startup. So we did initial fund Kickstarter. We only raised 20K. That's what we were going for. Nice. And we raised like 22 and I was happy. And that's what helped us put half the funds and then the other half for the toys. Yeah, we yeah, put yeah. ourselves and we made toys. We made 16,000 toys and then we started working on the app. The app, we partnered with Octagon Studios that are developers out of Indonesia and Ireland okay. to do the programming. Oh, and we okay. provided a lot of the assets so that they could help us build our vision out. And How did you find them? At Augmented World Expo. So I started doing a lot of expos with the toys and saying, here, this is my vision. This is what I want to happen. And I want to do it independently because I want to retain control. I want to build a brand. I want to do something that can make an impact. Great stories, right? I don't want to just rush to make a show. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to make something complete. So, so wait, so is a show coming? It is, eventually. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, we've, you've got a lot on your hands. No, we've already <laughs> gotten writers. We put together a whole animatic, like a five-minute pitch for the show. We've done like a, it's 2D art that is sequential. We did composing, we did voice actors. How are you funding Put it all, all together. This? A lot of through my own efforts and my own job. So oh I do gosh. work for companies like yeah. Nickelodeon. Yeah. And I put a lot of the funding into my own projects. Wow. And we've been a uh, Delaware Incorporated seed stage startup for about a couple of years now. We started in 2019. 2020 technically is when we officially launched the startup. So far we've raised about, I think, 150K, 200K in fi financing. But that's not enough because this is about, I mean, a, this is like five, 600K worth of work. So 
a lot of people believe in me because of the amount of effort I put into it. And so they are willing to take a chance on equity for something like right. this because they understand that I'm not going to stop until I build this thing to the heights that I want to. Yeah. So we started with the toys. We've got the game now. It's out free for iOS and Android. You can download Fungusaurus ARIs. The more toys you collect, the more you scan in, the more populate into the game. Oh, so it's empty when you first It's empty. Start. You get oh, one character so to start and you have to okay, scan okay. them in. Oh, that's And great. you actually scan the toys and then they get added to your list and then now you can play with them, right? That's so cool. And so we're leveraging a lot of this new technology, trying to create something really cool. And now my goal is to create children's books, animated content like TikTok and like actual shows to make people fall in love with these characters because no one knows about Fungusaurus yet. I've been doing a lot of this development on my own. We're in about 170 stores now. We sold about 10,000 toys. What kind of stores? A toy store. So like in Chicago, we're in Rotofugi in like California, a lot of the West Coast because I'm based out of LA. We're in the West Coast in Utah and Colorado in the Pacific Northwest. So independent toy stores. What do you find is the benefit of coming to an in-person show like this, like Chi-Town? So that's my main purpose is to come to independent shows, get the word out about my brand, get small toy stores to carry us. We're not on Amazon yet. We're not going to Target or Walmart or any big stores yet. We want to just do a groundswell independently. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Mushroom do. Like they kind of grow their mycelium roots and get a really strong base. I love how you become like a mushroom expert. Like this is hilarious. They're fascinating. You know, there's oh like God. so much of the conversation around dinosaurs is like, oh, they're big. And, you know, so much of the conversation around mushrooms is like, oh, they're food or they're psychedelic. And like, yeah. no, that's 1% of mushrooms. Right. There's so many more. <laughs> well, I love the passion here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Where can people find you? Where are you online? So fungusaurus.com, fungusaurus on Instagram. We're going to start doing more TikToks and more YouTubing and stuff over this coming year. All of up to the development up to this point has been independently done as side project almost, you know, right. we've done a lot. We've done more than most people do full time because of the passion, like you said, you know, yeah. but now it's time to get, you know, more and more full time on this project and start growing it to the heights. You know, one day I can imagine not just a show, a theme park, maybe. Yeah, Always no. shoot for the stars. Like no, the purpose seriously. of coming to shows like this is to make the connections, get the word out there about your brand and the thing you want to build. You can license your invention or your brand to other companies that are better suited to get it out. Or you can double down on doing it yourself. Yeah. And I always recommend do whatever you can yourself. So, I mean... Congratulations. How has the show been for you? So far, so great. I think yeah. we'll make the booth so cost within so the day. So great. I yeah. love that. <laughs> Thanks so much. Really? I appreciate the encouragement. Always encourage your independent creators and yeah. people like this. Like, yeah, yeah. if you come to these shows just as a guest or, you know, just to, to come check out the cool stuff, yeah. it goes a long way for brands to just buy a little toy or give them encouragement yeah, because really that, yeah. for small creators like us, it's everything, you know? Has, has anyone tried to buy you out early on that you were just like, no, 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 I'm growing this big. I'm growing this big. I'm not going to name names, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm not interested. I want to really yeah. make something that makes an impact and inspire a next generation of kids with great entertainment. It's hard. Like when you let a company buy you out, like, you don't know if the integrity will get held. Don't I don't want, like, to make a traditional kids' boys' brand or a right. girls' brand or yeah. fit into any of these categories yeah. or boxes. I want to make yeah. something that transcends, you know, that welcomes the weird, that allows people to be themselves and bring themselves into it. That's why this virtual pet game doesn't have clear instructions what to do. So you can just explore. You can explore, you can raise your pets how you would want to raise your pets. Right. And that's really the fun of it. Imaginative play is and enabling it is all about letting your kids do what they would do normally anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for being here today. I think thank I'm going to invite you back <laughs> in the future because I could see awards in your future. We're going to have to talk again soon. Happy to be back and yeah, do yeah, this yeah. again. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was great meeting you. Hey there, Toy People. I'm here with Mary Kay Morrison, a former kindergarten teacher and an author who has been studying neuroscience and humor in the ways that they work together. So we're here today. She's showing me some of the previous books that she's authored. But then today, today we're talking about The Legacy of Laughter. This is a book that Mary Kay developed with her 12 grandchildren. Mary Kay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's such a joy to be here. I'm excited to have you here and learn more about what you're doing and what you're creating. So tell me about laughter and how it affects the mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. We have been studying humor uh -huh. and the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor, which I belong to. Okay. I'm past president. Yeah. So I've been studying for about 40 years. Wow. Ever since I was a kindergarten teacher, as you mentioned, I became concerned they were taking play and laughter out of the classroom. Really? And so I started learning about the brain and how we learn. Yeah. And so my first book is written with teachers with ideas for the classroom. That's this one. That's that one, okay. using humor to maximize learning. Uh -huh. So we share ideas on how to bring play and laughter into the classroom. So I wanna talk a little bit about that first. Okay. So what was happening while you were teaching in kindergarten that made you feel like humor was being taken out of the equation? What happened? Well, they started making these little kids take tests and sit down in their desks, and they most of them don't even know how to, you know, read or hold a pencil very well at that age. And I knew it wasn't age appropriate. Really? So I decided to study further about the science of how we learn yeah. and laughter and play in the classroom. And so the last 40 years, I've been concentrating on how we learn best. And we know that play and laughter are very helpful for brain development. Can you tell me some, like, I don't know if there are, like, key lessons that you could break down maybe from this original book. I'm just curious, what were your main, like, three findings with how you can inject humor into learning? Well, one of the things is understanding your own humor style and oh. what's comfortable with you. Okay. So there's actually part of the book that talks about how you can evaluate how you use humor and okay. how you can improve your sense of humor. Okay. Oh, improve your sense of humor. <laughs> so that just means, like, stop being a stick in the mud. <laughs> I mean, it's not very, is it? Actually, what we say is it's not about being funny. Okay. It's about seeing funny. Oh, So I like how that. do you change your mindset so that whatever happens to you in life, yeah. even if it's something horrible, that you can start to see the funny in it? We know that once you're able to laugh about something, you know you're starting to cope. Oh, interesting. So this book was written for teachers. With teachers. With, right. with teachers. But who's it for? It's for teachers. I was working at a regional office of education. Uh -huh. And so I went to over 200 schools and worked with the teachers. And so one of the, my goals was to help implement humor and play into the classroom. So I had some principals and teachers who encouraged me and who actually shared ideas with me so that we could share that with the general public. So with the lessons here, finding your sense of humor, are you trying to help create more lighthearted teachers so that they will just naturally bring that into the classroom? Right. Is that the goal? Right. Really, we study the benefits of using humor. Okay. There's many benefits to using humor, not just in the classroom, but for you and I personally and yeah. professionally. How, How do you bring more humor into your life uh -huh. and laughter into your life? 
So there's actually strategies that you can use. One of them is first understanding how you, what your sense of humor is and how you use humor. And so there's steps in the book to yeah. identify that and actually taking a look at how you use humor on a daily basis. Yeah. Everybody has a different humor style uh-huh. and uses humor in a different way. And so we want people to, I encourage people to journal what makes them laugh and how they bring humor into their own lives. Yeah, I want to read this review from Ronald A. Burke, a PhD professor of biostatistics. He said, in a nutshell, Mary Kay Morrison captures some of the most positive research arguments and compelling reasons for teachers to use humor in their teaching and their lives. And having taught third, fifth, and middle school grades for several years, I think this book will be really useful. So this book will help you bring humor into your everyday life But also if you're a teacher, since it's designed for teachers by teachers, we'll help you bring that into your teaching life as well. But now, the premiere book of the show. It's the reason you're here at the show. Exactly. Right? The Legacy of Laughter. Right. Okay. It's a grandparent guide and playbook. I've got 12 grandkids. And so what I've done is taken the research that I've learned over the years and shared it so that grandparents can include that into their grandkids' lives and... Right now, especially having gone through COVID, a lot of our kids are traumatized and grandparents are often the people that can be that support system for grandkids. And so this book shares a lot of ideas that I've learned over these last 40 years and actually wrote it with my grandkids. So So (laughs) it was so much fun. So my question for you is like, had you been looking for a grandparent guidebook and you couldn't find one? (laughs) No, I had friends come over and say, you have to write a book. You're doing oh, so much my. fun stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So what were you doing with your grandkids that impressed your friends? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. So in, in our family room, I have a peg with keys. Every one of them, when they got to be two years old, got their own set of keys. And so they would go and start their little toy cars, you know, with their keys. What do you mean? I gathered old keys and key rings. And so they each have fake car keys? Yeah, yeah. Imaginary car? Imaginary car. That is so cute. (laughs) So I got two was like, you're getting, so like all your grandkids would tell the younger grandkids, like I had two. Yeah, you get to have your keys. And then when you turn four... You get your own path in the woods. So we have woods outside. We have six acres. So we have woods. And so when they turn four, my husband, Don, who is a collaborator in this book and took all the pictures, he would make forge a path in the woods and they got their own little sign. And then they get to paint herd houses and put them in their woods and decorate their woods the way they want their woods to be. I don't know that I've ever heard people talking about a grandparent guidebook. It's such a brilliant idea. Thank you. Yeah. There's not much out there. So it's, but you know, a lot of grandparents are already doing what I call superpower grandparent things. And so I've gotten a lot of ideas from other grandparents. And as a teacher, you know, I've had a lot of ideas over the years of ways to implement and use humor to help with the learning process. So the kids don't know they're learning. They think they're playing. But it's all, a lot of this purposeful, fun stuff. So this book, how is it formatted? Explain, like, if I read through this book, is it, you know, things to do in January, February, March? Like, how's it divided up? <laughs> it's more formulated with um, when you become a grandparent for the first time, what do you experience? And you're usually dealing with outlaws. I call the outlaws. What's an the, outlaw? Well, it's 
your son or daughter's spouse's parents. Oh. So that, <laughs> I call them outlaws. Well, you want to get along with your outlaws, yeah. you know, because you're at their baptisms, you're at their little school plays and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you're always running into the outlaws. So you want to have good relationships with them. And then you have to share holidays with these folks. Yeah. Who's going to go where at Thanksgiving and yeah. Christmas and Easter. And so it's ways of how do you negotiate all of that? And how oh. do you, how do you, how do you find childcare? You know, right. do you use your grandparents for childcare? If you do, these are the rules and, and I, some guidelines for that. So it starts at the beginning and then it travels through as your children become older. You know, what kinds of fun things can you do with them? For instance, when our grandkid, what do you do for presents? When our grandkids graduate from eighth grade, we take them anywhere in the continental United States that they want to do on a one-on-one trip. Oh. And so they all look forward to that. And so each of them get, we had three last summer. Yeah. So we went to Boston. We went to Estes Park yeah. in the Rocky Mountains. And we went to Branson, Missouri. Yeah. So each of them choose their trip and they get to decide where they want to go and what they want to do. What I really like about the way that you think about parenting or grandparenting is you're building milestones in where there are really natural milestones, but you're giving your grandkids something special to look forward to and to talk about with their other cousins, right? They're like, oh, you're going to have so much fun. This is what I suggest you do. Or like, you know, here's some ideas. And then they can ask each other, like, what happened on your trip? What happened when you got your path? What did you do? Where'd you take your imaginary car? Like, that's really creating a special... It's a memories. Beautiful. It's a memory. It's the memories, building yeah. memories. And so structured memories yeah, too. Yeah, like yeah. it's really nice. And you said the goal is to make a significant difference in children's lives to nurturing. And have you seen that? Like people that have engaged with this book, what have they said? You know, it has had really positive reviews. Yeah. I've had lots of people contact me and tell me how, what strategies they've used and how yeah. it's gone. Yeah. So yeah, that's been really fun. It's only been out about a year, but the, the grandkids are really excited about it too. You really? know, they're, yeah, they're very proud because if you look in the book, yeah. it's their artwork and there's pictures of them doing all of the fun stuff. Each of the children is a silhouette. And so they each chose their silhouette and they wrote. Um, there's several poems by them. There's a lot of the work in there is actually done by the grandkids. Are you giving examples in this book, like showing like yes. what you do and then examples from when your grandkids right. did that? Right. We did a lot That's of great. artwork. I've done a lot of yeah. art with the kids, a lot of creative reading. They put on plays. They've actually organized scavenger hunts and that so kind nice. of stuff. Yeah. So where can people purchase your book? Actually, they can come to the toy show. Oh, come it. to Shy Tag. <laughs> but what if they're not here? What if by the time this gets out, it's, it's over? It's on Amazon. Okay. And Barnes & Noble. Oh, Barnes & Noble. Yes. Dot com or in store? Both. In store. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A lot of them are in store. If you go yeah. in the store, and, and I'm in Rockford, and they uh-huh. have actually done book signings for me in oh, Barnes & Noble. Oh, what? Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> it's been so very good. I know. And just one year? Yeah. Okay, so I have to ask, how'd you land in Barnes & Noble in one year? 
I just went in there and showed them the book. How many Barnes and Nobles? Well, I don't know how many, you don't know but many. I know it's in Rockford. Okay. And I, they've, I've done like education workshops in Barnes and Nobles in the past, okay. but I also do workshops in museums and in little smaller bookstores. Yeah. A lot of small bookstores like carrying my book, and I'll go in and do a, wow. a little seminar. And so where'd you go to find the person who would print the book for you? Well, I have a publisher. Okay. And an editor. Oh, okay. And they were, they were invaluable. This one... What category does it fall? Self-help. Yeah, it's mental health. Yeah. It's a play, playbook guide. Right. So it really encourages grandparents to use the power of play yeah. and to use their own su- superpowers because every grandparent has superpowers. Yeah. And, you know, finding your own niche in what you love doing and sharing that. So in that instance, if you love to knit or crochet Using or that. if you like to hike, yeah. Or whatever it is you have, cook, yeah. you yeah. share that with your grandchildren. Right. My grandmother, she would teach me how to bake. And there I remember go. to this day, like we were at my birthday party and we didn't have any butter. And we were making either the cake or cupcakes and we were doing it at the birthday party. And I was so upset. My friends were already there and, and I was like, we don't have any butter. Like nobody cared to look. And my grandmother was like, a gel. To this, like, very, like, old-timey voice. And she was like, what can you use other than butter? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not a chef. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I remember to this day, she was like, you can use oil. And I remember I did not believe her. I was like, that doesn't sound right at all. I was like, first of all, butter's solid, and oil is not. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense, Grandma. And then she was like, yes, you can use oil. So I get the oil. And I remember I was so like, this isn't going to work. And then it worked, and I was like, oh. Oh my gosh, my grandmother's a genius. And she was. And how old were you at that time? Oh my gosh, I don't know, maybe eight. So one of the things that we know about long-term memory is that when you have a strong interaction and an emotional response, you create memories. So your strong emotions lead to strong memories whether they're positive or negative. Right. One of my grandkids drove their big wheel into the culvert and oh. chipped his tooth. He remembers that. Oh. But they also remember all the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. strong Leads emotions lead to strong memories. Yeah. One of the things we know about the brain, the other thing we know about the brain is play is critical for brain development. Play is the most important way that children learn. How do you define play, though? It's the imagination. Okay. It's when the child is engaged okay. in whatever it is they're doing. Right. And it doesn't have to be formal toys. Yeah. In fact, boxes right. and when like kids are little, they make up their own play. So at the end of the book, I talk about the five stages of humor development. Yeah. So the first stage is the peekaboo stage. So I will demonstrate that. Oh, let's do it. The first stage is the peekaboo stage. Okay. And so when you have a baby for the first time, everybody goes up and they go, ga, 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 and yeah. then they go peekaboo. Yeah, yeah. All right. So there's a pattern to that. The first pattern is that the child becomes anxious because they can't see you anymore. Yeah. And then the blanket comes down and they're relieved and then they laugh. So you keep that strategy your whole life, the three stages of peekaboo, yeah. anxiety, relief, laughter. And so a lot of times your laughter comes out of some anxious moment that you have, and then you're relieved, and then you laugh. And so that's a pattern you keep for your entire career. (laughs) And that's just the first stage. Stage two is the knock-knock stage. So 
Kids at that stage okay. do a lot of not not jokes. And that's not until not kids are about five years old. And so there's all kinds of things you can do during that stage. Oh, okay. The so the book next teaches stage, you like activities for each stage. For each stage, yeah. So riddles are the next stage. Stage stage four is pun fun. So there are activities to so this is already something kids are kind of like going through right. at around this age. And it's going to help you further that development. Right. Okay. And that's teenagers. So a lot of people have a more difficult time with preteens and teenagers. Yeah. And then the last stage is for everybody. Okay. And it's actually oh. joy flow. Joy flow. And how do you find joy in your life? Yeah. And so it's the ideas for encouraging teenagers to adults and joyful living. I want to wrap up with our final questions. Okay. So I normally ask people what toy blew your mind as a kid, but for you, I want to ask like what book were you really focused on as a kid or did you love as a kid? My favorite books are Dr. Seuss. They're yeah. absolutely fun. They're yeah. whimsical. Yeah. And so those are, I'd say that's my favorite book for kids. And, and what advice would you give someone who wants to develop a book like you've done? I didn't think I'd be an author, honestly. Yeah. yeah it's uh, working with the grandkids was the best. Yeah. You know, other than that, just persevere and take notes and write down what you enjoyed and what you loved. That's it. Where can people connect with you online? Is there a place? Yes. Okay. Where can people connect with you online? My website is Quest for Humor. Questforhumor.com. Okay. Thank you again. Thank you for being here, Mary Kay. <laughs> thank you. It was so much fun. You're so good at this. Oh, thank you. Take care. This was great. Oh. Well, there you have it. Those are all the interviews we have for today. Before I jump into my summary of today's episode, I'd like to take a quick break and give a shout out to T-Mama15, who said, what an amazing show. T-Mama says, I have been seeking help and insight for my product for some time. This podcast has given me a clear next steps for my prototype. You are welcome, T-Mama15. And if you are listening to this podcast and you love this podcast, please leave us an incredible rating and review. Those reviews help so much. They keep me motivated to keep coming back week after week. Okay, let's dive into the conclusion of what we learned today. I've got three points I want you to walk away with. One, you will have to take some risks to start your toy or game company. And some of that risk may be finances that you spend on ads or hiring a social media manager. But if you make a big enough splash, it can be well worth it. Carolina started her business with just $500. So it is possible. The second piece I want you to walk away with today is consider combining something that you are passionate about with an evergreen trend or character or icon, much like the fungosaurus did with fungi and dinosaurs. Amon created a beautiful, meaningful, educational world with so many possibilities for expansion through his various characters. So think about things that you love and think about trendy icons and characters in the toy and game space right now. The third thing I want you to remember is to look for white space and opportunities as they come up in accordance with what you're experiencing in your own life. That's what Carolina and Mary Kay did. So Carolina created the game Dragos, 
But as she played it more and more, she saw she couldn't play it with the younger people in her family, the kids of her family. So she created a game that fit her ever evolving needs. And Mary Kay, known for her excellent grandparenting skills by her friends and family, made a grandparents guidebook. Okay, let's get into your action item to do for next week. Because it's the end of the year, I want you to make a New Year's resolution, make a promise to yourself that you will make some progress on your toy or game idea or your show idea in 2023. Whatever that idea you've been holding on to, tell yourself, say it right now out loud if you can, I will make progress on this idea in 2023. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I know your time is valuable and that there are a ton of podcasts out there. So it truly means the world to me that you tune into this one. Until next week, I'll see you later, toy people. Thanks for listening to Making It in the Toy Industry podcast with Ajel Wade. Head over to thetoycoach.com for more information, tips, and advice. Hey, are you an aspiring toy inventor or toy entrepreneur? Then you should check out Toy Creators Academy, the first of its kind online program designed to help you develop and pitch your toy ideas. Head over to toycreatorsacademy.com to learn more.